I've always thought and, and, and believed and accepted that in order to grow, part of growing involves being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Hi everybody, I'm Dr. Larson, I'm a neurosurgeon, and uh, this podcast, as you know, kind of chronicle a week of call, a real life Grey's Anatomy, if you will. A quiet week would mean that you manage a trauma here or there, maybe, or a tumor that comes in, or a, a hemorrhage, uh, maybe a, a blood clot that occurred, a stroke. This week was just full of injuries, injuries, people injuring themselves, getting injured, uh, motorcyclists. The theme was un unhelmeted motorcyclists, and it was been a very, very tragic week for that. There were at least three or four that I treated. Um, ground level falls are pretty common. People that fall, maybe you're on a blood thinner, elderly trip and fall, and you can get a, a fracture, a compression fracture, or a, a vertebral body fracture, a blood clot. If you hit your head, you can get a, a bleed and some of those need attention. And there's more violent falls, more violent traumas. An ATV rolls over, a head-on collision, somebody falls off of a roof, uh, these kinds of things, and they all happened this week. The, uh, the week also included a lot of family time. My daughter is visiting from New York, and she's in town till the end of this week. She was wearing a T-shirt one day that made me think a lot about, uh, uh, about stuff, and it, it said, built, not born, which, um, you know, obviously you're born, right? But built, I think the implication there is that you become what you want to become or you become something. You're not just born into it all the time. I've always thought and, and, and believed and accepted that in order to grow, part of growing involves being comfortable, being uncomfortable. In other words, you need to get into this discomfort zone. And as an endurance athlete, we call it the pain cave. When you're rowing or when you're biking, you get to this point where it's just painful. And everybody, like, everybody who, who competes at an endurance sport gets into that cave. And it never gets easier, you just get better at managing it, and the depth of the cave gets deeper. So you basically get comfortable managing the pain. If you look at bicyclists out in your, you know, your, 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 your local criterium, these guys are all suffering like crazy. Well, it's no easier on the Tour de France. Those guys are pros but they're, they're pros at the pain cave too. They can take that cave deeper and they've grown, they've grown their capacity to do so. And, and that happens intellectually as well. That happens psychologically as well. The ability to get comfortable being uncomfortable carries on through life. And I think as you live through life experiences, your, your feeling on this is much different when you're, when you're young than when you've had all these life experiences. I have a, 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 a few close buddies, uh, baby pinstripes, creative shoe leaders, so their social media names. We, we talk quite a bit. We're kind of at the same points in our life, and we talk quite a bit about these things. We listen to read different books, podcasts, and I, I, I came across a, a podcast uh, or, that mentioned a, uh, a Harvard psychologist, Harvard, Harvard Medical School psychologist, Susan David her name uh, and she's she had a, she put out a great TED talk where I think she really 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 like the focus seemed to be on I think it was titled emotional agility and I think that's a best-selling book that she has and I have not read it but I'll tell you that her message 
seems pretty apropos to this idea that you need to get comfortable being uncomfortable because that's a part of life growing up. And that happened to me big time this week. Um, it was on a midnight trauma. It was a unhelmeted motorcyclist that was found in a ditch. Not much else known. And he was, it was a, a pretty massive head injury. And um, I got called by the trauma surgeon, come take a look at this, you know, what can we do? It didn't appear that we could do much, but you know, we're, we're, we're doing all the resuscitative efforts in our, at our trauma center. And I think the story, you know, one of the key, one of the first things I do when I get there is, what's his best exam? What is this patient's best exam? And the paramedics that had found him said that when they intubated him, they, it wasn't really clear whether he had any movement, but it, it didn't sound like he had any, anything but reflex movement. The endotracheal tube goes in and maybe there's some tension or like a little, little rigidity and maybe he has a gag reflex. But from the start, his pupils were fixed and dilated and that's an ominous sign of high, high pressure in the brain, pressure high enough that it compresses the the, the, the oculomotor nerves or a cranial nerve that controls pupillary constriction. So those nerves, when the brain's swelling and herniating down and taking your life essentially, it goes by, the, one of the very first things it does is it goes by these oculomotor nerves, the third cranial nerve, and it stops the ability of those nerves to constrict your pupils so your pupils become dilated. And that's how this, this, this unfortunate person was. It had, fixed and dilated pupils, which, which, is, which is rough, okay? And in this case, there, there was nothing to do. The, the CAT scan of the brain did not show a blood clot here or an, an injury here or something that I could surgically go in and remove. In fact, the, even the ventricles, the, the spinal fluid collections in the brain were really, really small. So it wasn't like if I put a catheter into the ventricle, it would take off pressure. It was there. I put, a, I put an intracranial pressure monitor fiber optically into his brain to measure the pressure, and by this time the pressure had normalized. So this is a patient who had essentially no function. The only function he had was he had, a, if you touched the, eye, the eyeball with a soft uh, 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 tissue, you might get a, on one side, you got a little uh, corneal reflex. That was the only re brainstem reflex minus gagging and breathing if you tickled the back of the throat or let them try to breathe off the ventilator that this patient had. But there was no cerebral, cerebral movement. Um, but the patient was clinically not brain dead because we, we did a, a, a angiogram of the brain and it was, there was blood still flowing. So it was a situation where a decision had to be made. And there were two people there, and this is tough. I mean, this is where, you know, talk about getting comfortable being uncomfortable, having to have this conversation with this patient's loved one is absolutely, you know, it's, 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 it's one of the most difficult things you have to do because it's so abrupt. I remember when my father died, I got the phone call, um, or I actually called, you know, the, the, the phone was ringing at the hotel I was in, and I was in Europe at the time, and I remember I just felt awkward about the phone ringing at this small family hotel, and it was we or hours in Europe, and I, I called my home, and it was busy, and right away I got this gut-wrenching feeling of, oh my gosh, and I called again and a first responder answered the phone and you know, told me my, my father just passed away. So, you know, that's so abrupt and I remember that feeling I had and it was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Well, having to deliver that message is, 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 is not easy as well. It's a really, really, really rough delivery. This time though, 
you know, I really thought about it. it was, here it was 12.30, 1 a.m., something like that. I wanted nowhere else to be. I mean, my body wanted to be back in bed, but my soul was sort of there. I felt like, wow, the fiance was in the room and the mom just showed up and we had the conversation and, and the, the, the range of emotions that happened are just absolutely amazing. I mean, there's, it's, it's part of life, right? It's grief is what it is, it's grief. But you, you put that in with shock and surprise. And, and the two of them were so different. The two of them were so different. The, the fiance was just, you know, I mean, crushed in her own way. I don't know if they had kids together. I don't know much more about them other than she, you know, I mean, obviously she had her friends there helping her, supporting her, but she was essentially collapsed on, a, on the floor. Um, in, in grief, the mother was was had been through this before. This same individual had had a head injury. Anyhow, she 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 kind of was. She was not at all cold. She was warm as could be. In fact, she was crying and she was sad. But I remember saying to them in this case. I remember how I delivered the message. Was you know I sat there for just accepting the silence. I didn't leave the room. I, it was. 12.30 at night, but I stayed there. It became 1 a.m. at night, and I just stood there, quietly being there only if they needed me. And part, I, I, my, I wanted to be in that discomfort with them. I mean, I just wanted to be there. It was theirs, it was, but, but I was, I mean, they were sharing it with me because I was their doctor. And I, what, what I said to them was, I, I don't, first, there, the, there's really no decision on what to do here because there's nothing that we can do. And I assure you that there's nothing at a much bigger hospital, there's nothing at a university center. We can do everything for him here that could be done at those same centers, but none of those things will, 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 will help him. And the hard part here, Beyonce and mom, is that you don't want him to survive what happened to him. He's not going to, but you, you really, really, really don't want him to. Meaning, there's no chance for a functional recovery. You're looking at somebody who's gonna be forever in a vegetative state, and in a scenario where it's already been declared earlier by these individuals, by the family, that this is a guy who wants a full life and would not accept anything, but he would not accept being in a vegetative state. So. That was crushing. That was really, really crushing. And I sat there again probably for another 15 minutes. I, I, I just waited my turn. I didn't leave. I remember putting my hand on his mother's shoulder. I felt her kind of lean into it and cry. She had her husband on the other side or, or her significant other, I presume is who that gentleman was. And it was sort of what next, what next, what next. And then the time finally came where I simply said, is there anything more I can do for you? I'm sorry, I'm going to leave now. And this probably half hour, 45 minutes with them and the mother said no. The friend of the fiance gave me the head nod and I left and I went home, cleaned up and went to bed and I, I actually slept like a baby. I woke up the next day and I learned that the patient had decided to withdraw treatment there was no, they were there had been consideration i think for having the patient's kids come to see him which i think they opted against because they were young there was possibility of organ procurement organ donation which 
I, don't, I think they opted against. And so I learned the patient was, you know, I think at, at peace, so to speak, at that point. That was a, talk about a growth moment, right? I mean, wow, uh, getting through that. Um, and there's nothing really positive for that family about that. There's nothing, this is a negative experience. To be in there and say, hey, look at the bright side. I mean, there's, that, 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 that's, that's BS and there's nothing positive about it. It's negative. And I think why I brought up the Susan David TED Talk, and, and, and apparently this is her, 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 her teaching, is that all these emotions, negative and positive, are part of, you, you own them. They don't own you. And they're part of, you need them. You need to factor them into, they help you become you. That's what real life is. I think what's specifically said is that tough emotions are, are part of a part of life, and, and accepting these and, and, and moving on with them is, is how you grow and deal with real life. And I think seeing my daughter in her built not born uh, T-shirt, unknowing to any of this, absolutely, I, I can almost assure you she hasn't watched that TED talk. She certainly hasn't had that experience, and I hope she never does in the emergency room. And, uh, but that, that's, you know, that's, she's, this, she's a wonderful woman and she is definitely built. She was born, yeah, that's my little girl, but she's, she was, she's, she's built as well, a lot of that on her own. And um, this, this my, my past history as an endurance athlete and rower, runner, biker, those kinds of things, and getting comfortable in that pain cave, getting comfortable, getting uncomfortable, just kind of came together this week. And so here, uh, here I am with this, uh, these comments about my weekend call. And you, know, you see a lot of things in neurosurgery. And I, I talked about one of the hardest ones, but there, are, there were a lot of, there were many, many, many situations where, heck, I'll, I mean, I'll end it with a happy one. Yesterday's surgery was, one of, one of yesterday's surgeries was a 70-year-old man who fell off of a ladder, uh, broke, I think, seven bones in his neck and had underneath that some compression of his spinal cord and he had a surgical problem. He had a surgery yesterday that involved doing a decompression infusion from C3 to T1 and he's awake and he's well and he's, you know, his only question is, yeah, and my answers, his question and my answers were yes, you can go backpacking again. Uh, yes, you can go home tomorrow after we take the drain out. No, sir, you cannot do somersaults with your grandchildren. Why don't you find another thing to do with your grandkids? So, so that was a, that's a, there's a happy story there to end the week. And uh, I'm Dr. Larson. Thank you for watching.